Welcome to Four Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Kendra Phillips, the CTO and Vice President of New Products for Rider System. Kendra, how are you today? Hi, good morning. I'm well. How are you? Doing great. So lots happening, innovation in the space. You have worked in uh, every part of the overall supply chain, but you've really been focused on the technology and innovation for Ryder. Ryder's a storied name around transportation and then beyond. I, I'm curious, as you think about innovation, why did Ryder decide that this was something that they wanted to lead? Yes, it's actually really important to us at Ryder. Um, we're an almost 90-year-old company, and we've been in the supply chain and logistics space for a long time. And it would be very easy for us to say, hey, you know, we know what we're doing, we're experts, and kind of look the other way. But the truth is our industry is being disrupted, and there's a lot of technology coming out. And with our breadth of industries that we service, our breadth of services, we're a great foundation for almost all new tech in the industry. So we've really spent a lot of time investing in this area. We started Rider Ventures, which is a corporate venture fund, um, really looking and targeting early stage startups and investing in them and helping them come to fruition through the power of Rider. So we're really excited about that. Now, Rider is a dedicated $50 million of venture capital resources towards uh, early stage startups. Tell me a little bit about the ideal investment size. What are you guys looking for as you underwrite investments? Yeah, great question. Um, our ideal investment size is around a million dollars. We'll do less, we'll do more. But that's really what we're looking for in a, in a seed or a series A round. Are you guys hoping to lead those rounds or is it participating with other uh, venture capital firms that, that may take the lead? You know, so far we've been more of the participants. I think as we get our feet wet a little bit further, um, we'd certainly be looking to lead some of those rounds. That's an exciting area for us. Um, but right now, we're being, uh, we're being a little careful. We want to make sure we learn, we grow. We're um, very specific with what we do with our money. And what's really important to us is what space is that startup targeting, right? Um, being experts in the industry, we know where the pain points are. We know where our customers struggle. We know where we struggle, where our partners struggle. So we're really looking for startups who are coming into an area that's a pain point and addressing it in a way that's very different, that's new, that honestly we wouldn't have thought of, right? That's, that's what gets us excited. So when we find that right target area and we find a team that we think is focused appropriately, they've got a good strategy, a good game, good game plan, good partners, that's when we'll put our money behind them. Um, but most important, is what can Ryder bring to them as well. So we're looking to really partner with these startups and be a, um, a feeding ground for them. So we want them to pilot with us. We want to use their technology, um, work with them, and really help them prove their business case through Ryder, right? So if they're out there and they say, hey, I've got a great plan for addressing the driver shortage. Okay, well, let's try it out. Let's see how it works. Um, or if there's another area they've got a pain, they're addressing, um, let them come to Ryder, work with us, use our expertise, our industry knowledge, and really prove that their product will work and will make a difference and have an impact. And when we see that happening, that's when we'll invest. Peter, have you guys made any investments to date? Uh, and, and if so, how many? We have. So um, we only recently announced Ryder Ventures. It really just became um, solidified over the past few months. 
But this has been um, something we've been working on for years uh, in a less formal manner. So about three or four years ago, our leadership team got together and said, hey, we really want to focus on technology. We really want to be leaders in technology. And so we started partnering with accelerators, VC firms. Um, Pre-COVID, I myself spent a lot of time out in Silicon Valley. I love hearing pitches. So we've made a few investments over the past few years, about four. And we just recently are making one. I can't, I can't yet announce it, um, but we have one happening right now. Actually, paperwork will probably get signed today. Um, so it, it's exciting. We, we, we're, you know, pre-Rider Ventures, we were doing it in a less formal way. Now it's a very formalized process. And we want, we want to hear from startups, right? We want them to come to us, make their pitch. And if we think there's something there, we'll actively engage. Now, a lot of founders talk about uh, corporate or venture capital firms, and they have a mixed record. Um, what, in terms of where Ryder's positioning, how do you guys think that Ryder's gonna be helpful to the founders and the companies behind them uh, versus the, the counter argument is that this is a way for corporates to sort of dip their toe in, but they're not really committed to making uh, investments that help the founders out. Yeah, I think it's actually extremely important. And I think that's something that founders really need to try to vet before they do partner with different corporate ventures. Um, and let me let me expand on that. So with, with Rider, we set up Rider Ventures to be very specific. So you come to us, you make a pitch. We think it's a solid idea and a solid place. We're going to bring you into the fold. And like I said, let you pilot, let you try it out in our company. And what's happened in the past, for example, we've tried it in one area and it didn't work. And, but we've said, hey, we think there's something here, right? We still believe in this idea. Maybe we're just in the wrong place, right? We're in the wrong industry or we're in the wrong service. Um, and so we've moved it and we've tried it somewhere else. And we've actually had huge success doing that. So um, the startup that we are um, investing in currently, that was the case. We, we worked with them about six months in one place. Uh, didn't really work. We moved it to a different focus area and we've seen amazing results. So um, I say that because you do have to have a, a company that's really committed to your product, to what you're doing, and be willing to experiment with you. What I think could be detri detrimental, what I've seen and where we've chosen not to invest when we're seeing it, is a startup where they've got a great idea. Maybe they have great technology, but they're partnered with larger corporations who are pulling them, right? They want, their, they want that startup's tech and a certain piece of their business, and they're asking that startup to really build it just to meet the need of that business. That's not in the best interest of the startup. That's, that's really changing their product to meet the need of the corporation. And I think that's when, um, that's when you can run into some real big issues, and in the end, it could be pretty detrimental. So I do think as a startup, as a founder, you have to be careful um, who you're partnering with and ensure that their intentions are to help grow your business, not just to meet their own internal needs. Yeah, I've seen it. We've got corporate investors or cor that are formalized. So Prologis, uh, who I, I know you know the folks at Prologis uh, Ventures, uh, Hearst Ventures, but they run it as a institutional, and, and it's all about returns. They, they certainly understand the underwriting criteria when it comes to right. underwriting the business, but ultimately they're about returns before they're about their self-interest. And I've, we've had opportunities to take capital from other strategics 
But when you get into the term sheets and you start to define what that relationship looks like, they're very pro their company and less helpful to us. Things like right of first refusal, uh, you know, right to own the technology, just a lot of stuff that becomes very onerous for founders and frankly, not in the interest of the, of the business. Right, exactly. And I've seen that as well. And I've seen um, uh, startups where when you're talking to them, again, I get really excited about the area of the industry they're focused on. But then I start seeing how they're being pulled in so many different directions by different corporations that you know they're partnering with. And it's really eating away at the strategic value of what they're trying to do. Um, so that's something I, that we really look out, we try to stay away from. Our goal is really to do exactly what you said, right? We want to partner with you. We want to help you grow. We want to help use Rider to help you grow. Um, but our, in the end, we're looking for that financial return. So Rider's got a huge infrastructure, a large organization with a very diverse set of businesses. Um, as you think about how founders can plug into the Rider system, um, what are the opportunities that are uh, most desirable at this stage? What are you guys most excited about? Yeah, for us, there's a few focus areas that are very strategic and important to us. Um, and we've had them now for about four to five years. We continue to focus in those areas. So the first is e-commerce, um, luckily. <laughs> certainly helped us through the pandemic. Um, we've been focused on that. We've made some acquisitions in that area. We've been targeting some startups in that area as well. Um, we, obviously, a huge place of momentum for the industry and something Ryder has been really focused on growing. Another place for us is electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. So again, we have very strategic partnerships there. Um, and really think that those, honestly, I think autonomous is going to change the industry drastically. So really looking at what's the impact of those to come and how do we position ourselves now um, so that we're ready to take advantage of that and bring that value to our customers when it's here. And then the, the fourth area that we've been really focused on is digitizing the supply chain and data analytics. So we've done that through our product Rider Share. And then we have an entire data scientist organization behind us really helping to mine that data and bring it to the forefront. There's been a lot of action in the visibility and transparency uh, industry or, or segment of the industry over the last couple of years. It became very important uh, during the COVID crisis for uh, supply chain professionals and organizations to know where their products were, what was in inventory, what was moving through uh, their system. Uh, you guys have rolled out a product. How is it different and differentiated versus some of the other transparency and visibility players that are out there? Yeah, like you said, everyone everyone has a visibility platform. Ours is Rider Share. We launched it formally in May this year, um, but we're really proud of it. We built Rider Share a little bit differently um, than our foundation for it was a little different than some of the other products. We really built it to bring value to our customers who are shippers. We didn't bring it to feed Rider with freight. Um, so we built it from a different perspective and we're seeing that play out now in tremendous value for our customers. So when you speak of the pandemic and how important that was, we have a customer, Do It Best, whose volume went up by 40% when it hit. And they will be very vocal that they would not have been able to manage that without rider share for all the reasons that you just said, right? Um, they used to have a very steady supply chain and people knew what to expect. And obviously COVID threw that out the window and through the visibility of rider share and a lot of the um, notification and collaboration features within the platform, not only was do it best able to manage that, but they were able to bring that value to their customers as well. So that was very beneficial. 
Um, some of the other things we're seeing in the platform is, is we have a recent deal that we want in the automotive space. The customer um, wants, their, uh, they produce the vehicles. They want to give their dealers visibility throughout the entire supply chain. So the moment the vehicle leaves a production line through a DC, through a cross dock, on common carriers, on a dedicated fleet, to the point of the dealership. Um, and they want to do that at the VIN level. Through Rideshare, we're going to be able to do that. Um, so we'll be delivering that to the customer here at the beginning of 2021. And we're really excited about that. Before it was a black box. Now they're going to have complete transparency and visibility. And their customers will know where their order is at every moment in time. Another okay. example of, right. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I would say I'll give my final one. My other example of where we're seeing differentiated value is we have a wine and alcohol distributor who's a customer. And we're distributing to their, you know, is it a, is it a wine store, a liquor store, a catering company, a restaurant, right? That's what we're delivering. When our drivers get there, if there's an issue over shortage or damage, um, we're immediately able to document that and instantly send a notification to the salesperson in charge of that location. And that salesperson can call the driver before the driver leaves that stop and actually intervene if there's a problem. So let's say that it's, there's a wedding on a Saturday and we were short some liquor in the delivery. That's obviously a very important item, right? At that point in time, the salesperson can call and tell our driver, hey, pull some liquor off a different stop later on. We need to make sure we fulfill this order in full because it's a very important event. Um, so we're giving them that ability to react to exceptions in the supply chain at the moment versus waiting or finding out later and trying to fix the problem after the fact. So it's really exciting. We're very proud of what Rideshare is delivering. Now, I spent a lot of time studying blue oceans versus red oceans and, and what's happening. Uh, being a, a VC-backed company and being a startup, uh, we spent a lot of time in the blue ocean sort of charting new paths. But uh, we also cover an industry such as freight movement, which is one of the reddest oceans there is. As you think about Ryder, where do you guys consider yourself? And is it really these investments that you're making to chart new blue oceans? Or is it to be uh, more optimized in the red ocean so that you, can, you guys can be far more efficient? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, I love that question. Um, it's a really big and important discussion item within Ryder, actually, because being such an old company, um, we could find ourselves stuck, right? Stuck in our old ways. Um, and we can't let that happen. So I think our leadership team has been very um, thoughtful and, and very pointed. We are focused on new tech. So we are focused on what is going to change the industry and actually change the operating model of the industry. Um, of course, efficiencies to the current operating model is always welcome and very important. I don't want to pretend that that's not it is. But when we're going to put our dollars behind something, we're, look for, we're looking for something that is literally a new way of operating. It's going to disrupt the current models um, because that's what we think it's, it's coming. I mean, you see it today, right? It's here. Um, and we want to make sure that that is, is really essential to where we're putting our money. Kendra, there's been a lot of, ha obviously 2020 has been a huge year, uh, but in recent weeks particularly, and really for the last six months, the stock market has been on fire. The investments uh, that have gone into earlier stage startups in supply chain have also 
uh, really, really accelerated. We're up something like 60% year over year in terms of investments. $52 billion have been invested in supply chain. Some will argue that this is a bubble, that, that really that the businesses that are being unwritten, whether they're digital brokers or just across the whole ecosystem, uh, it, that's inflated and the bubble's going to burst. Others will argue that we're just at the start. That's certainly my thesis. How, where do you sit? Yeah, so I, um, I, I think there's twofold. I absolutely agree we're just at the start. I think the pandemic really um, brought a light to the, the need in this industry for um, more efficient supply chain, more visibility, more digitization, you know, reducing the paper and all the handoffs. I, I think it really uh, showcased that. And so you're seeing that money funnel in now. But that's been a trend that's been happening. Um, and I, I strongly feel it's going to continue to happen. Um, and that's what I love. I mean, that's what I love about my job. That's what I love about the approach riders taking. I think there is so much change coming. And I, I think we're going to see it for many, I mean, honestly, probably decades here. Uh, now, whether or not it's a bubble, do you know, could it be some sort of a slight inflationary bubble that will, you know, maybe tick down a, tick down a little bit? Potentially. I mean, that, that's probably not my area of expertise. But I don't think that we're going to see any sort of slow in the number of startups in this area, the amount of technology coming. Um, and I think we'll continue to see money uh, getting, getting pushed here. Yeah, supply chain is cool. It's in vogue. In fact, I was watching the vaccine rollout, and it was almost heroic. You see these trucks. You see the FedEx truck, yeah. I think, rolled out first with the UPS truck, and then right behind it, Boyle. Yeah. Uh, transportation, and then they, they, they're showing the plane take off. And I had this sort of epiphany being around this industry where uh, it almost felt like D-Day for the virus, uh, our generation's D-Day, but yes. the logistics professionals in the industry were the heroes of the day. We were, yes. we were being talked about in a light that I don't remember ever, ever anyone emphasizing how special of an industry that we, we operated. I've always known it was special. I suspect you do as well. But it seems like we're, this is our moment. It is, it's so funny. I'm laughing because um, when, after I got my MBA, I came to Ryder and I remember my father was like, supply chain? Why are you going into supply chain? <laughs> right? He's like, what do you even do? Um, so I agree. I think, uh, I, I think it's always been like the un, unsung heroes behind the scene, right? Making, making everything happen. And this year has really changed this. And absolutely this morning, I mean, I, I like welled up with pride when, when you see all that happening, right? Because, um, and, and it will continue as, as you look at vaccine distribution. I mean, we're going to have to be able to distribute it, not just via airplanes to, to main distribution points, but down to that local level, right? The hospital distribution, the clinic distribution, um, to CVSs and Walgreens. So um, when you think of what that's going to take from a supply chain effort and the tracking and monitoring and security aspects, I mean, it, it's a lot, and it just shows the value of what our industry does. It's such a complicated, if you think about all of the pieces that have to make it, make it work, it's a very complicated industry with so many parties that are touching it, but it works. And this is the thing that, you know, when I, when I hear mainstream uh, media talk about, you know, vaccine, uh, shipageddon, I think it's a term that people like to refer to. Um, and I get occasionally get asked by uh, media folks if the vaccine is going to cripple the infrastructure logistics industry. And it's not because we have a very efficient, even though we think and we will argue how inefficient the industry is, and it certainly is, it all works at the end of the day. And it's not going, the vaccine is a relatively small piece of 
uh, the overall volume moving through the system, as important as it is. But it's interesting because there seems to be a, a ton of still ignorance about how, A, sophisticated it is and how dependent uh, and dependable it really is. I, I agree. So I agree with everything you just said. I don't think it will cripple the industry by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, we're, we're ready for this, right? And, and again, I think what it will even do, if you look at the technology that's going to be required for the local distribution, so you're, you're going to have security concerns, right? This is a high value product. You've obviously got the temperature requirements that everyone's talked about. Um, you're going to probably be talking about drop trailers at hospitals or football fields or wherever they decide to vaccinate that are going to have to be monitored. You're going to have up to the second tracking of all these items. And when you think about all the technology that's going to come into play, along with the standard logistics, right, along with the asset and the driver and the facility, you know, along with all the standard items, um, I think it's going to be a great showcase for what this industry can do and and for the progress we've made. And I think Honestly, I think it will only deepen some of the technology investments because they're, they're really going to be at the forefront of this. Yeah, for sure. I think the nice thing is, is you can now, and I talked to a lot of institutional investors, I can now talk about supply chain and there's a level of understanding uh, of what it is, what it means, and how important it is. It's interesting because you, you do mention all the technology, whether it's sensors on, on, in the containers uh, that are monitoring temperature, chain of custody. Oftentimes, the technology has existed. I mean, there have been sensors uh, for 30 years, 40 years. Well, well, from the moment that I even knew what supply chain was or freight was, this technology has been proliferating. But it seems like sometimes it's very, very early, and at times it's solutions looking for a problem. The nice thing is we're at a point where that inflection point is upon us, and we're able to take advantage of the technology. So I also agree with what you just said there. I mean, I, I remember, I think, when I was first at Ryder, it was probably 14 or 15 years ago, we were talking about how do we um, track pallets, right? And, and how do you get those sensors on a pallet and track it? But again, it was more of a, a technology solution looking for a problem, right? And the price, price point was too high and you know, there was all sort of um, challenges to it. And honestly, at that point in time, it wasn't a sophisticated industry that liked technology, right? Um, but, but we have hit that turning point. We've absolutely hit it. And so it's great to be able to not just leverage what we've had, um, to have new ideas and new, new concepts coming to the table, but really to be at the point where we can leverage all that and start to showcase it and, and bring it to the forefront. All right, Kendra, here, here's, a, here's a question for you. If you can go back five years and you're sitting in 2015, and you can make an investment in a type of category, what would that have been five years ago? Knowing what I know now. Knowing what you know now. Where, did, where would you uh, have liked to have written a check five years ago? There's like 10 places in my head. I mean, I think the digital freight broker is the easy answer, right? I, I think that's the easy one. Um, but I think if I'm going to look at like long-term real financial growth, I, I'd probably put it in autonomous. Um, and I'll probably come up with a better answer later on. But I think those, you know, I think those are the two that really come to the forefront right now. So you think, but do you think you've missed looking at where we're at now? Do we, do you think you've missed or we have missed the opportunity to invest in autonomous, it feels like that's a still a very early, like. Oh, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean to imply that. I think that I think that uh, opportunity is is 
is still there. I just think if you were a really early investor, your multiple would be <laughs> much higher. <laughs> right. So well, the, the challenge there, not a lot of those businesses, I mean, at one point we counted something like 70 companies that were in the levels of the autonomous. And a number of those really either didn't get past their seed round or, or didn't even raise. And so, um, you know, the usual suspects, the Waymos and, and the two simples that have done quite well have, have been successful, but many of those have not. No, you're right. You're right. The risk would have been a lot higher. It would have been a very big unknown for sure. Um, if you knew who to invest in um, and you're looking for a big return, that's really, that's really what I was coming at it from. But on, um, if I'm going to say more of the, you know, probably again, the digital freight broker would have been that, that sure not a sure bet, sure bet now, five years ago, would have been uh, a nice place to put some money. Yeah, it, they certainly had the markup. And they continue to, you know, uh, they continue to, to grow. I mean, we've seen recent deals in, in just this past couple of weeks where some of the digital freight brokers have taken on new capital. It's still a very hot space. So last question, Kendra, make a prediction in five years. I assume it's going to be autonomous. Do you have anything else that you think is going to proliferate in the next five years? Um, you know, where, what I spend a lot of time on, and I, um, I don't know that I have the right answer, but I'm really curious as to how all of this technology is going to impact the common carrier market. Um, you know, do you, uh, are you able to, um, there's a lot of players out there kind of increasing the value of the owner operator, right? So do they really enter the space in a different way? That enables them to compete more directly with some of the larger carriers in the market. And what does that do to the industry? How do the digital freight brokers kind of uh, um, expand some of their space? Uh, so I'm, I'm really curious as to in five years and 10 years, where are we going to be with a carrier market? What's that going to look like? And, and how does that impact um, shippers buying expectations? So uh, that's honestly where um, I, I don't know the answers, but I spend a lot of time trying to think and strategize as towards how this could play out. Um, again, so that, that rider can, can position itself properly to bring that value to our customers. But I, th I think that's an interesting space that we're going to see change a lot over the next five years. It does seem like the advantages of the larger asset-based carriers, particularly in the over-the-road for hire trucking market, continue to be just attacked by the whether it's digital brokers the 3pl market and all this innovation because it makes it such that that freight is available to to outside of those asset based carriers and they they struggle enough with recruiting and retaining drivers uh, we certainly are seeing that now with this uh, capacity crunch that's taking place at, on top of a lack of driver availability. Um, and so there's yeah. a ton of stuff going on. It's certainly an interesting conversation. Well, Kendra, really appreciate your time here. And um, how can folks reach you? Is LinkedIn the best way to get in touch with you? LinkedIn's a great way to get in touch with us. If you're, in, if you're a, a company, a startup, we have Rider Ventures. Uh, so you can certainly look for that. And if you uh, put in an application there, that will make its way to us. Um, so, and then, of course, uh, Rider.com as well. But I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Well, Kendra, best of luck to you in finishing out this year and uh, as well as in 2021. I think it's going to be a bullish year. Really excited about the future and what the future holds. Uh, thank you so much for coming on uh, today, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon.